Welcome back to Amid Yomi. Today we're continuing to learn Masechtas Megillah, picking up on page Gimel Amid Aleph at the bottom. And we are learning Masechtas Megillah together, one page at a time, in the Zechus, the merit to bring our hostages home and for all the soldiers of Am Yisrael. Yesterday I said we are day 115. I believe today is actually 115, but who really cares? One day is too long, one hour is too long, so we daven for their return and we learn their merit. Yesterday, we concluded with the following discussion. We were trying to figure out which is more important. Is, is the service in the temple, the Avodah, more important? Or is learning, reading the Megillah more important? And we concluded reading the Megillah is more important. Who cares? Very simply, when you have a conflict, should you read the Megillah or should you do the service in the temple? We say read the Megillah first. Within that, the Gemara then says, well, if one must stop the Avodah, the service in the temple, in order to read the Megillah, Kavachomer, one must stop for Talmud Torah, meaning to say Talmud Torah is less stringent, less chamor than the service in the temple. And so we, we, we left off yesterday with the following question, is this really true? Is the service of the temple really more important or more chamor, more strict than Talmud Torah? So let's begin and we're going to actually bring us uh, a proof from a story in Tanakh. <laughs> Says the Gemara as follows. This is the bottom of Gimel Amid Aleph. The Avoda Chamur Mitamat Torah is the Avoda really more stringent than Talmud Torah? But look at the following story. The story comes up in Yeshua. Vaksiv, the Pasuk says, When Yeshua was in Yericho, remember the famous story there where Yericho was being laid siege? So at this point, this is before he laid, well, while he was laying siege to the city, before they conquered it. It came to pass when he was in Yericho, he raised his eyes one night, and behold, a man was standing opposite him. So what did Yeshua do? He bows down. Okay, Yeshua bows down, a man comes to him. Now, who is this man? Says the Gemara, how could, he, how could he perform this? How could he just bow down to a random person? At night, one is not supposed to go and greet someone with the word Shalom. Why? Because we have to be concerned, perhaps they're a demon. And if they're a demon, we don't say shalom to them. Gemar says, Shani Hasam, because who is this man? This man comes and says, I'm an officer in the army of God. I, I'm an angel. I'm not a demon. At which point Yeshua bows down to him. Maybe the demon, they're, they're not good people. So maybe uh, he lied because I'm, I'm an angel. Uh, an angel really is a demon. And Yeshua therefore went and bowed down to him. Mar says, no, we have a tradition that demons do not utter God's name in vain. Okay, so that's the background to the story. However you want to place that with demons and angels, that's up to you. What we need to know is as follows. The angel comes to Yeshua at night while he's laying siege in the middle of this war, and he says, He says, Joshua, while you are fighting this war, and you're so involved in this war, you have neglected to bring the afternoon sacrifice, the daily afternoon sacrifice, and now you are neglecting to learn Torah. Which you should point Yeshua says, I'm a little easy behind us. Okay, fine, I get it. But which one did you come for? Why did you uh why did you come right, to, to 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 give me Musa? Are you coming because I didn't learn Torah now, or are you coming because I didn't do the service yesterday? I'm a little out So he says, I came now. Immediately Yeshua um uh, goes down into into the valley. Amar Rav Yochanan says, Rav Yochanan, uh, what does it mean he went into the valley? He went into the valley, meaning the depths of Torah law. I mean, immediately he went to learn. Okay, so uh, 
that's the uh, story. Point is, here comes an angel. The angel comes along and he he uh, he gives he gives Yeshua Musser. He chastises him for not learning Torah, and he does not chastise him for not bringing the sacrifices. Equals sacrifices are less important than Talmud Torah. Now, just one quick note I want to point out uh, briefly. Can this really be true? You're in the middle of a war and you have an obligation to learn Torah. How can that really be? So the Pandavicharov had an amazing idea, which I saw in Rabbi Ganak Sefer. He says the the he says if you look, what is the word that he uses? He says Atavasa. I came now. That word says Tosis Atavasa. Meaning I came now for Talmud Torah. How do we know that's referring to Talmud Torah? So where else do we have the word Ata? The in in the uh, the, the requirement to write a Sefer Torah. Atem The pasuk tells us Navarim, which is a mitzvah in the Torah. Now, write this song. This song equals the Torah. This song is the Torah. So, the part of which Rav said as follows. Of course, from a tactical perspective, Yeshua was exempt from learning. He was in the middle of a, a battle. But there's another level, a higher dimension of learning of Talmud Torah, which surpasses just a mere technical obligation, which at this point, he was he was exempt from, and that is the Shira of Torah, to involve yourself in the Song of Torah, which, again, goes beyond the technicalities of when you're obligated, when you're not, not obligated, but rather it's about this idea of Torah should permeate your life, and that's what's happening here. Okay, moving on. Point is, Yeshua is chastised for not learning Torah, and uh, and uh, not he's not chastised for not doing that vodah. Lokasha says the Gemara, no, 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 no. We can still say the service in the Temple is more important than Torah. The difference is, Habirabim Habiyachim. That Yeshua's incident was involved, involved him not teaching Torah to everyone. So because many people not learn Torah, that's when the Talmud Torah of many are, is more important than, than the Avodah in the Temple. Whereas an individual, their Talmud Torah is not as important as the service in the Temple. Would Yochakal says the Mishnah says the Gemara is that really true that individual is uh, the learning of an individual is really is really Kal, it's light it's, it's lenient but now we have a Mishnah which says as follows this Mishnah is refer and is Moikat referring to the laws of mourning that on since it's a yomtiv we don't engage in the full fledged mourning for an individual passes away and therefore the woman may, may sing dirges but not, they may not beat their chest. If they're close to the uh, to, to the coffin, they could. They may sing dirges and beat their chest, but they may not engage in wailing. Again, these are just various uh, various different forms of mourning. What's the what's the idea behind this? Although normally we suspend some of the mourning practices. For uh, someone who passes away on Cholamoed, if they're a Talmud Chacham, then we engage, we go all out, and we even we do all sorts of wailing and mourning. The Kolshkei Hanukkah Purim certainly on Cholamoed uh, is defers to a Torah scholar. Hanukkah and Purim will as well. Therefore, we say, look, Talmud Torah is so so important. It's so so important. Says the um, it's so so important. In fact, that it goes, it, it supersedes Purim. It goes against Purim that we say you can get involved in all this. Says no, 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 no. Kavod Torah comes There's a difference between honoring Torah, um, whereas Kavod Torah the Yachad Chomor, Talmud Torah the Yachad Kal. Honoring a to- or Torah, honoring the Torah of an individual is so stringent it overrides Megillah reading, whereas Talmud Torah does not. And that's interesting that the learning does not, but the actual the scholar, someone who embodies uh, uh, embodies learning, in fact, in fact, uh, does. Okay, let's go on. Amarav says Rav, Pshita. 
li avodim umikra megil. So Rabbi says it's obvious to me that when you have a conflict between doing the sacrifices and the megillah, mikra megil adef midrav yosi bar achanina. That mikra megil takes precedence as if yosi bar achanina proved previously based on the fact that says bein mishpachos mishpacha. Right? The it's again back to our our possibly four bein early ear medina medino. I read out of order. Mishpacha mishpacha early ear, and I should have the pasuk in front of me. Uh, umidina midina. Sorry. Medina, Medina, ear of ear, Darish, Mishpachas, and Mishpacha. In fact, Mishpacha, Mishpacha tells us uh, that, as we said it previously yesterday, that that the sacrifices are, have to defer to Mikra Megillah. But now we're going to have various other conflicts which takes precedence. Says Rav, Talmud Torah, Mace Mitzvah. Torah study and a Mace Mitzvah, that is, if you find an unattended corpse, which one takes precedence? Mace Mitzvah, Difa. The Mace Mitzvah takes precedence and Midetanias, as we learned in the Brisa, this will come up later in the Masechta, that we uh, we are willing, we suspend our learning in order to take care of uh, the dead and to take care of a bride. Avodah Meis Mitzvah, what about the sacrifice in the temple and a Meis Mitzvah, which one takes precedence? Meis Mitzvah, Meis Mitzvah takes precedence, how do we know that? Meilu Achoso, Ula Achoso, because the Pasuk says La So what's the context? The Pasuk by Nazir tells us, Al nevesh meis layavo that a a a nazir like the kohen or kohen gadol may not come and contaminate themselves to anybody, and then the pasuk goes on la avivuli imo la achiv la chosid la yitav alem mosa. Not only cannot become contaminated to anybody, nor shall make himself contaminated to his father or his mother, his brother or his sister. So this seems superfluous. Why do we once you say you can't become tummy to anyone? Why do we add on the avivuli imo la achiv la chosid la yitav alem mosa? So the, the, we, 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 the Rashi points out from the Sifri, we have a special drasha. Each each additional uh, person here is, supposed, is teaching us something new. Mint says as follows. Lo'aviv. This teaches us that although the Nazir is not allowed to contaminate himself even to his father, but he could contaminate himself to a mace mitzvah, which is an unattended corpse. Only emo. This teaches us that even if the Nazir is a Kohen, so now he's not allowed to contaminate himself both for two reasons. There's two Lapin. Don't contaminate yourself because you're a Kohen, and because you're a Nazir, he still is allowed to contaminate himself to a Mace Mitzvah. The author teaches us, let's say he's a he's a, he's a a Nazir, and he's the Kohen Gadol. The Kohen Gadol has even stricter rules of his uh, of his prohibitions to contaminate himself, yet he's still allowed to contaminate himself to a Mace Mitzvah. Ula Choso, what does that come to teach us? And that's where it says the, says the Mishnah. So he says the Gemara Vaiter. A person is going to slaughter his Pesach or sacrifice his son. And he hears that one of his relatives dies. You would think he should become Tameh. We say, do not become Tameh. So we could say, just as one does not become Tameh for his sister, and rather we, we say, go and slaughter the Pesach. So too, do not, do not become tummy to a mace mitzvah. This teaches no lachoso who the eno matame al matame le mace mitzvah. This teaches us that if someone's on his way to to, to slaughter the karm pesach, and as we know, you have to slaughter the karm pesach when you're pure. So we say, don't become tummy for your own sister. Don't become tummy for your own sister. Um, now there's a bit of a debate here if this is talking about anyone or specifically talking about the nazir going gadol. We'll leave that up for the Tosos and the Rashi. Okay, fine. Point is, it, whoever it is, we say, we say don't become Tommy for your own sister, but rather go and slaughter the Karim Pesach. Well, it can't be Kongadol, but it's um, a regular coin. Um, whoever, whoever it may be, we say, whoever we say, don't become Tommy uh, to your sister, but rather go slaughter the Karim Pesach. However, if they see a mace mitzvah, an unattended mace, 
we say go and time yourself. Therefore, we see that. Uh, therefore, we see that the uh, the mace mitzvah overrides the mitzvah. Mace mitzvah overrides the avoda. Bali Rav, Rav asked the question. Mikra Megillah. So Mikra Megillah, which overrides the avoda. Which one is more important? Should we should we uh, should we read the Megillah or should we go to the unattended corpse? So now it's interesting. Gemara says here because again, Mikra Megillah it's only their abundance. It is lower level. This says as follows: Mikra Megillah The reading of the Megillah takes precedence. Why? Because it it publicizes the miracle. It's a public miracle. Pursuing which in fact was the idea behind pursuing might really be. I think I, I believe I saw this from the, the Rav. It's actually did in, in Kiddush Hashem. In Kiddush Hashem. We're making Kiddush Hashem. And Kiddush, we know Kiddush Hashem is so important. We're even willing to uh, be over the... Kiddush Hashem overrides, excuse me, um, overrides um, um, saving one's life. That we, we say, it's rather, you're supposed to be Kaddish Hashem Shemayim and giving your life up rather than make a Chil Hashem. So if that's the idea behind it, maybe one can say, maybe one could say, to publicize the miracle, to make this Kiddush Hashem overrides, overrides burying the mace. Or perhaps Odimla Mace Mitzvah Adiv Mishum Kavod Abrios. Or perhaps the um, uh, taking care of the mace is more important because of human dignity, which is at stake. After saying this, Rabbi says, actually, it's uh, obvious. Mace Mitzvah Adiv. Why? Because the master said, Kavod Abrios, human dignity is so great it suspends a prohibition in the Torah. So, which prohibition is this? So that's a big debate. Obviously, it's not going to be everything, but enough. But, uh, but it suspends enough. Okay. Gufa. Next. Omar Rabbi Shubin Levi. If you recall yesterday, or two days ago, we were discussing the idea, we mentioned, that a city in anything near a walled city, Nidonka city, Nidonka crop. Uh, meaning to say that um, that just it's not just the old city of Yerushalayim, which is walled, the Moses Shubin Nun, the Ezi Shubin Nun, that keeps Shushan Purim, but also anything near it that can see it. Um, such as most of modern day Yerushalayim. So therefore, it says as follows. Tana, what does this mean? Samach al nira, meaning near to it even if it can't see it. So how can it be near even if you can't see it? Nira al samach, or if you're not near to the city, but you can see it. What does this mean? Bishlam and nira al samach. I understand you can have a city that's um, that can be seen from the walled city even though it's not near it. Mishkachas lake going to Yosef and Roshahar, meaning if on the mountain. Situ- uh, if there's a town situated in a mountain, even if it's far from Yushalayim, so long as you can see it, even though you're not near, you keep two days. So the, does this mean the gush? Uh, that's a question that has definitely been discussed. El Samach al Where do you have a case where, you, where you're close to a city but you can't see it? Where is that? It's sitting in a valley. Okay, so now you can see what, how close this close to it. How, what, how do you define it? So we said a mil yesterday. And this is where you get into the whole discussion of modern day Yushalayim, even outside modern day Yushalayim. What if you can see it if there weren't buildings, and now there are buildings? Okay, we're going to leave that for the uh, one, one time when we discussed that laws of Shushan Purim. What happens if you have a uh, a city that was a, that was built, and only afterwards they put the walls around it, so then it's treated as a unwalled city? My time, huh? Well, where do you know this from? So this is actually interesting. Lachora here, Mishul and Levi is not actually talking about the laws of Shushan Purim, but because the, because there are other areas in Alacha where there are, are ramifications if you're living in a walled city or not. One of them being um, the Halacha in Eretz Israel is when you sell land, that every fifty years there's a reset and the land goes back to the ancestral owners during the Yovel year. That is true for land outside of walled cities, but inside walled cities, once you sell your uh, your apartment, 
after a year, you can no longer get it back. So how do we define a walled city? So it says as follows, it has to be a city that the wall was built, and afterwards the city, the houses were, were, were built inside there. If a man shall sell a residence house in a walled city, meaning this implies that it was surrounded with a wall and only afterwards settled, not that it was settled, and then subsequent to that, it was surrounded by a wall. Okay, here comes another law from Yeshua ben Levi. If Rambam Yeshua ben Levi comes along with Yeshua ben Levi, Krach and a city does not have ten unoccupied people. There were ten people who used to be paid to sit in the show all day. I guess learn a kolel so that they'd always have minyan. Nidon Kikfar is treated like a village. What's the ramification? So that goes back to the beginning of the Masechta. When it, when do which what's a village? How do we define a village that we give them the dispensation they can read on Yudalvi based Gimel? So any city, any any village that doesn't have ten people sitting and uh, they're paid to sit and learn there. I mean, it's not large enough to, to, to sustain ten people uh, in the show. Mike what's it teaching us tonight? We already learned this. Ezir Gadola, it's a mission, it's an explicit mission, it's not a mishnah. London, any city, uh, what's a large town, any town which does not have ten occupied men, possibly got Harry's at fire, but less than that is considered a village. So Krachasrichale, is teaching us that although a Mishnah teaches us already. We're discussing a city that you can have a city that there are people who are, there are tourists there, for instance, who don't live there, and although they're unoccupied, they're not counted towards this count of 10. It has to be a city where the city itself sustains these 10 people. All right, let's go on. Rishuban Levi. What if you have a walled city that was destroyed and afterwards it was resettled? You don't get it's treated as a walled city. So what does it mean destroyed? You see the walls of the city were destroyed. So if it was subsequently settled, as in the walls were built, yes. But if the walls were not rebuilt, then it's not considered a walled city. But Tanya, but wasn't it? I mean, is that what you want to tell me? Is that what you tell me that it was destroyed and meaning that it was subsequently rebuilt that you built the walls? But Tanya, so again, sorry, let's just say it a little clearer. Rishuba Levi says, if you have a walled city that was destroyed and subsequently it was re the walls were rebuilt, we treat it like a walled city. So we say, what does that mean? If you say it was subsequent, the walls were subsequently rebuilt, so then it's considered a walled city. Well, Rabbi Elazar Yosi teaches us from the fact that it says Asher Locham, but that implies that all it needed to have was a wall in the days of Yeshua, but none in the days of Joshua. But if it had a wall then and it no longer has a wall now, we still treat it like a, the wall, the walls of Yeshua, uh, like a walled city. It's not that it has to have a, a wall from Yeshua until now. It's only the times of Yeshua that's when we count it. So then, what does it Yeshua ben Levi say mean when he says a walled city was destroyed and subsequently rebuilt? It's treated like a walled city. Of course it is, because once it had a walled city in times of Joshua, so it's a walled city. Ella, my charav, shachar Rather, we're here discussing what's considered a krach versus a kvar. That it was meaning there were ten people who worked, who, who learned there in the city. And then the city was no longer able to support them. And subsequent to that, uh, they were able to support them. It returns to its original status. Lastly, one more teaching from Yeshua ben Levi. One more teaching from Yeshua ben Levi. Let's go top of the page. Uh, the cities of Lud, Ona, and Gecharashim were surrounded in the days of Yeshua ben Nun. Thus, we read the Megillah on the 15th of Adar there. I wish you all a wonderful day.